when my friends were working at Six Flags, the amusement park, and, you know, they were working at Ben and Jerry's in the summer, you know, the community summer camps with kids going to the water parks. Uh, you know, I was in the warehouse <laughs> going through Rotten Tomatoes and picking up, you know, trash out of the employee parking lot and just basically doing whatever job anybody else had to do because they wanted me to, you know, learn from the, the ground up. And that way, at some point down the line, there's not a job in the building that, you know, somebody can give the owners a hard time saying, you know, I'm not doing this. Hello, and welcome to our show, Fresh Takes on Tech. We are continuing our season on the last mile. Today's episode is unique in that I get to talk to three leaders in the produce industry, all from companies that have been in business for generations. We will talk to Billy Ituli from Willie Ituli Produce, Tom Lagrasso from Lagrasso Brothers, and Anthony Cerna from Cerna and Sons. You're all now the generation and leadership of organizations that have been around for generations. Let's hear a little bit about each of you and about your organization and yourselves. So, Billy, why don't we start with you? Sure. Well, my name is Billy Ituli. I work with Willie Ituli Produce in Phoenix, Arizona. We are an Arizona-based distributor, and this is our 44th year in business. Uh, so pretty amazing family business. I'm a part of the second generation my parents started the business, and then my brother, my sister, and I are all members of the business currently running day-to-day -day operations. So we keep it in the family, and it's really a wonderful thing. We are a primarily a food service distribution company. Uh, we cover a large footprint in the state of Arizona, uh, and it's been exciting to grow and expand and to do that with your family by your side. I mean, what else do you ask for? Excellent. Tom, how about you? Tom Lagrasso, president of Lagrasso Brothers fourth generation family business, we food service, produce company that services the entire state of Michigan and excited to be here and excited to work in this uh, industry. Excellent. And Anthony? Hi, I'm Anthony Cerna, Cerna and Sons Produce. Um, my title is VP of Sales, but like Billy and Tom know, that's a funny thing to say as a title because we kind of do everything that we're asked. Uh, so when you know we tell people what our title is, that really doesn't mean too much. I am fourth generation. Uh, my sister is the other fourth generation that's in the business with us. Uh, our headquarters are in Cleveland, Ohio. We go to Columbus, Pittsburgh, and Toledo. And like Billy said, we're primarily a food service distributor. Yeah, I found out my title changed with uh, our website got updated. <laughs> so, so what is it now? <laughs> oh, I got promoted. Sweet. <laughs> Big fat raise come with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom, with you, what do you think is different in culture and how you staff and how you look at a company that's been around as long as yours? Well, staffing has been a, a challenge and I think it's going to continue to be a challenge. It's finding, you know, multi-generational employees uh, within our workforce people that want to work for a family business, love the close-knit community, and are willing to, to really put in the effort when they see the ownership. Like Anthony said, you do everything, you work hard. So it's finding that core group of employees that's really going to drive the success of your business. And our businesses are only as successful as the, the employees that we have. So Billy, how about you around culture? Like how do you, how do you build a culture? Is the, is, is the culture really strong from the past generations or do you keep changing it or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an evolution like anything else. I mean, I think culture comes from the top down in a big way. The first generation, our parents, 
you know, their culture was not only fostering a tight knit company with with employee retention and people that have been with us for a long time, but also just a real culture of hard work and doing whatever you can to make the customer happy and uh, to keep that business going and build those relationships. And so it's something that we in the second generation, we really focus on as well as we say, hey, you know, we want to keep this we want to be able to attract new people. We want to attract the younger generation. You know, how do you bring those people in and how do you keep them there? And we think it's not just about salary and benefits, but about what kind of culture we present and, and who we are and what we stand for. So Anthony, with you, um, what are the pros and cons as far as being a leader in a multi-generational company? And like you said, that you're all responsible for living the brand and living up to the family name. Like you, that's what you do every day. So what is it? What are some of the the pressures and expectations that is different than from a company that isn't multi-generational? Yeah. So, you know, being family business, some people just don't get that in itself. You know, family business, you work with the family every day. There's not really a time to turn it off. Uh, You know, one of the hardest times that we had to go through was COVID. Didn't know what was going to happen to the business. Didn't know how we could pay the bills. And, you know, after we were doing everything we could throughout the day, go home and and have dinner and talk about it until you go to bed and then wake up and do it all over again. So, you know, that family business dynamic of not being able to turn it off almost all the time, you know, even family vacations, you spend your time talking, you know, about work when you're on vacation. Uh, my dad was just uh, out of town for the first time for an extended period of time. And he would call me to check in and ask about, you know, how the business is, is going and what's going on. And I basically told him, hey, you know, Stay away. Enjoy your we time. Got it. Right <laughs> you know, the place is still running. Yeah. So it's just it's a unique dynamic. But at the same time, I would say that that's probably some of the negative. But you know, the positive is when friends and family and and people that I meet, you know, any given time, they'll send a picture of a truck, you know, backed up somewhere, or I'll be in a conversation trying to explain what we do, and people just don't quite get, you know, wait, you do what? You're you sell produce, and then you know. A week later, after I show them a picture of the truck, uh, they'll, I'll get that text message or Snapchat or whatever you want to call it um, with a picture of the truck. And then, you know, they'll tell me, man, I, I didn't realize I see these trucks everywhere. Huh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a good blend. Um, you know, that's the family's name. That's what we work for. But yeah, it's definitely got its tough times where you can't turn it off. But I guess that's what we do. It's it, like, like the family says, you know, if it was, if it was uh, easy, anybody could do it. So. Mm-hmm. Totally. My, my, I'll always remember my mom saying to us, this isn't a job, it's a lifestyle. It's not a career, mm. it's a lifestyle. And it really is in a family business. And I think that to Anthony's point, you know, these generational family businesses, in a very small part, you kind of become a, a small sliver of the fabric of the community that you operate in. And people start to recognize you and recognize your brand. And I think with that, you know, I don't want to speak on Tom and Anthony's behalf, but for me, there is also some pressure as a second generation for us, you know, to keep it going and to make sure that we continue that hard work and continue paving those paths forward that are, you know, in my instance, my parents, you know, did. And my my brother and sister, I feel kind of a lot of pressure and obligation to keep that going and do it the right way and support the people that have supported us for so long. Yeah, I mean, like Billy said, you know, the whole thing is, I mean, I can speak for my family the older generations, they're the ones that put in the hard work and they, and they built this and, you know, divorces and, and, you know, all, all these crazy things that happened in the family dynamic. Um, and with that being said, 
you know, now my approach is with the employees, you know, like that culture thing you were talking about, you know, it's, they don't work for us. They work with us Mm -hmm. um, because if I just were to talk about people working for us and, you know, they do the job and, and, you know, we don't really give them much appreciation. Uh, we would we really wouldn't be much without you know our employees because they're not easy jobs. I mean, they're not desirable. That's one of the things that we're having to keep up with times. Like Billy said, you know, the whole work life balance and you know finding ways to keep our key employees to where they want to stay, not them trying to you know this is just a job and a paycheck. No, this is this is a lifestyle, and every day is a new day. So we're just trying to make changes. Tom, how about you? Some pros and cons. The Anthony truck thing is spot on. Get that all the time. Going from not seeing it to everyone seeing them everywhere. Um, yeah, no, I mean the same thing. It, it's the culture thing is big, and it's finding finding people that that want to fit what we do. It's it's a tough line of work, but it's fun. The family dynamic is a challenge, but fun. You know, it's it's 24 hours a day, 365. So as you're coming up as a as a kid, you're getting exposed to it every day at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. But then you have to start dealing with the realities of fitting in everyone's personality, finding a role for everyone, making sure that they're really adding value to the business and, and driving it forward. So the industry and your businesses have changed as times goes by. And you wouldn't be in business if you didn't change with the times because that's really important and you have to do that. So topics like sustainability were not talked about when the last generation as as a topic. I mean, you ran your business sustainably, but it wasn't like the big topic when they were running the business. So how do you keep up with new trends and ideas and all the, the necessary changes that you have to make to stay current? I mean, I think this is in our in our segment, this is where the generational shift is really visible. I think there's a big difference in developing and founding a business and then evolving the business and that business evolving over time. And kind of to your point, like, how do you keep up with those trends? You know, we spend a lot of time internally, the three of us, my brother, sister and myself talking about ways that we can increase things like sustainability and how do we be as efficient as possible and how can we use technology as our friend and really work smarter, not always harder, you know, use the kind of tools we have at our at our disposal. And there is occasionally a generational divide when we have those conversations with our parents. But it's important because I think as the industry changes, we have to remain relevant. We have to be able to pivot. We have to be able to turn on a dime and say, hey, this is the new latest and greatest. And here's how we can kind of carve a niche for ourselves in this small area. Yeah, the sustainability thing uh, across generations, echo what Billy's saying. And I think for the older generations, it helps when there's some kind of ROI in whatever we're trying to do with the sustainability. The ROI talks more to the older generation. Show me the money. Yeah. You know, I don't want to keep saying it, but I will just because I can (laughs) still close my eyes and, you know, remember hearing the governor shut down the entire state. And, and then coming into the warehouse and, you know, seeing all the, the employees uneasy and sleeping in my office that night until, you know, the morning shift got in here. Uh, and then two days later, you know, we furloughed 180 employees and my 90 at the time, 90. Oh, my gosh. I think 95, 96 year old grandpa who was, uh, you know, built this company. Uh, he walks in and, you know, if anybody who's met him, he's got a big smile on his face. Nothing could phase him. And, you know half the the managers are in the meeting that just, you know, we're wiping their tears off telling their their department members they're going to be furloughed. And so when he walked in, it was just weird because everything that he had built, the family had built was kind of on hold. 
uh, trying to get through COVID. So I don't want to continue to say it, but I will say in regards to the sustainability side of things, you know, COVID also was a good thing for us. You know, it forced us to really trim the fat. Before COVID, Cerna's best year was 2019. So everything was going good. We had an expansion. You know, we were, we were growing sales. Probably some things that we were doing, we weren't doing the right way, but we were making money and things were good. Um, so when COVID hit and, and we really were forced to take a look at stuff, that's kind of jump-started the whole transition to the next generation thinking. Some of the things that you know I wanted to do pre-COVID was kind of looked at and, and shrugged off. Uh, and now it's not that I want to, it's that we need to. You know, we, We're in the process of rolling out a CRM for our sales team to kind of keep them organized and, and stay structured to continue to grow sales. Um, we, we just rolled out you know, a mobile checkout app on, our, our, uh, on customers' phones. Some customers that we never thought would use a phone or an app to place orders are now doing that. And so you know, the technology side of things is really important. That's you know, like Billy said, I'm sure Tom agrees, you know, work uh, smarter, not harder. Because the, the, the biggest thing is that the generations uh, before us, you know, manual labor, that's what it was all about, just getting the job done for the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when some of us were trying to make some changes with the technology and, and you know, the, the growth, uh, it just wasn't taken the right way because it was more so this, we don't need it. But it's definitely a need. And that's kind of what our generations are trying to uh, get through to the older generations in a unique way. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating because during COVID, like nobody had a playbook. Nobody knew, you know, your parents didn't know, you didn't know, none of us knew how to do it. So you really had to invent and bring new things. Yeah. I mean, it was the ultimate, you know, here we go moment. You're going to sink or swim really quickly. Uh, And I think what it also did for us kind of echoing Anthony's point is it helped us stop making decisions um, out of of a vacuum and really start to kind of take this holistic approach of what looks right and, and who are all the different key holders of these areas and how can we involve the team and, you know, try to really make that management style a little less top down and a little more bottom up and really elevate people in our team who have worked really hard and given a huge amount to our company to really kind of assess and say, hey, you know, like we need to do this, we need to do that and cut the reins on some people. And I think that that helps a lot. I think it helps kind of bolster that ingenuity and that creativity. And we want to keep pushing forward with that. Yeah, that's great. So if you fast forward and say the next generation is running things and and you're like the old guy that's kind of, you know, not in the in the seat anymore. So what do you want them to say that you did and what mark do you think you'll leave in in your time of leadership? Mm, I mean, I you know, I think something that my parents really have done that I admire greatly and that I hope to carry on. I hope if my kids join one day um, that they would say is my parents have been huge contributors to the community. I think that they realized early on that, yes, you can sell produce. Yes, you're in business to make money, but you're not achieving your total fulfillment unless you are giving back some of this greatness that has been given to us. And that, you know, we have earned through hard work, but a lot of those relationships stand the test of time. And so whether it's partnering with food banks or donating to worthy causes or things like that, they've taken a lot of time and energy to, you know, to give of themselves and really laid the foundation, I think, for my brother and sister and myself to say, hey, you know what, there's a whole lot of things in our community that are much bigger than we are. And we're one small part of it. We're one small piece of the puzzle. And I hope that my kids one day would say, hey, you know, they they 
gave to a lot of people who possibly were in need or gave their time or their energy to a variety of different causes to better the community that has helped our family grow this business. Tom, what about you? Yeah, so in family business uh, class in college, it was more of a take care of the business and the business will take care of the family. So really, uh, to answer the, the question, just leave the business in a better place than I found it is really all you can hope as you're passing it on to that next generation. Anthony, how about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, growing up, you know, I think all of us have similar stories. And, and I said it at a conference recently, and I continue to say it, you know, when my friends were working at Joggle Lake, Six Flags, the amusement park, and, you know, they were working at Ben and Jerry's in the summer, you know, the community summer camps with kids going to the water parks. Uh, you know, I was in the warehouse <laughs> um, going through Rotten Tomatoes and picking up, you know, the trash out of the employee parking lot and, and just basically doing whatever job anybody else had to do because they wanted me to, to know, learn from the, the ground up. And that way, at some point down the line, there's not a job in the building that, you know, somebody can give the owners a hard time saying, you know, I'm not doing this. And it's like, well, I did it. So I think we need to make sure that you understand that and, and, and realize that somebody has to do it. And if you don't want to do it, then show us what else you can do to grow in the company. Um, so, you know, the silver spoon mentality, uh, I've never been that where I was just going to come into the company and put my feet up and collect a paycheck and expect more money because it's a successful company and expect more responsibilities because, you know, I'm the owner's son. I've really had to earn all of it, um, sometimes harder than it should be because it's family, but it's still a fun, fun challenge. Uh, we're competitive. But with that being said, you know, it's just that whole work for work first mentality. Um, I will say one of my goals is, you know, should down the line one of my kids or uh, my sister's kids um, decide to be the fifth generation. You know, I want that work first, family second mentality to go away. I want it to be work first and family first. That way it's kind of a good balance because not just in the food service side, but also, um, or I should say the distributor side, but also, you know, restaurants and, and all these different companies and, and establishments we work with. I mean, the, the home life is a very bad very bad balance. You know, there's a lot of divorces, like I already said, there's a lot of family, personal home life problems that come from this industry. And so that's one of those things where, you know, I'm not going to stop working hard because that's what our family has instilled in us. Uh, but the goal is to hopefully have our key employees that have been here a long time. I'm sure Billy and Tom, same thing. We got employees that have been with us 20, 30 years. You know, I was in the bakery working with, you know, employees that are still with us 20 years later. And so the biggest thing is that I enjoy is when I hear them say, you know, he's a hard worker and he, you know, he's, he's representing the family well. So that's kind of the, the whole thing of what I want to see in the future um, as well, though, to, to continue the hardworking presence, not just to hear the millennial comments. And, you know, there's not any good young hard workers out there anymore. That's not true. I mean, they're out there. You just got to find them. Uh, and when you find them, you have to have, like Billy said, you got to have the right culture in the workplace. But Anthony, aren't you seeing that balance in this generation? I mean, I, I think I'm seeing it amongst our family and our generation with the work-life balance. Yeah, I mean, every day is a, is a new conversation. You know, a certain employee we're trying to interview or a potential employee we're interviewing for a, a position and, you know, the vacation policy always comes up or the time the PTO comes off or, or comes up or, you know, we had a, another key member. Um, she's our main IT person and she's one of one in the IT department. And so when she takes a day off this past weekend to go with her kids to 
I think Cub Scouts, there was something that came up that only she could do. And so her first comment this morning was, you know, I wish I didn't have to use a vacation day for uh, this weekend because I was working the whole time. And in the past, it was sorry, it is what it is. But, you know, this morning we came to a conclusion. No, she didn't need to use a vacation day. You know, my the whole mindset is if you get the job done, it shouldn't matter you know, what you're doing. If you're slacking off, if, if you're causing problems, if if you're costing the company money, if we're getting complaints from customers, from other companies that we work with that, you know, so-and-so is not doing the job, they're not getting back to me fast enough. It's one thing. But if you're getting the job done, you know, the mindset of I got to stay till five o'clock because that's what time I'm supposed to be here till, you know, if, if you're done with the job, don't sit there for 20 minutes and be miserable. Go home you know, enjoy your time. And then the day that you do have to be there late, you know, you got to get the job done. So we are seeing it, Tom. It's just, uh, you know, I would imagine that you guys are in the same place as Billy too. We're in that unique transition of still holding down the work mentality of, of get everything done, but also doing it the right way to, to reward our key people and any new position for that matter. Billy, were you going to add something there? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking when it comes to the family perspective, there's no way until you have kids that you could conceptualize what it would be like to not only be a father or a mother, but also to work with them to ultimately one day like be a boss. Um, and mine are still young. They're only 11 and eight. But I think be incredibly special to work with your family in that way and continue that sort of tradition. I remember when my son was in kindergarten, they had like the kindergarten version of career day. Uh, and he brought home a piece of paper and it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he drew up picture of a Willie I Tully produce truck. Aww. And he said, I want to work with daddy. And it just stuck with me. It was like, I mean, it was like, this is so special. And this experience of being able to work with family for better or worse. And certainly there are a lot of pros. There are a lot of cons. It is not easy, but it really touched me. And I was like, okay, you know, if we treat this right and we do this the right way, and we really live up to the commitment that we want to make to ourselves and our community, there's a chance that that could happen for me and my family and my children. And, and I can't think of anything else that would be better than that. This leads to the next question I wanted to bring up. And Produce Alliance is sponsoring this season. And Melissa Ackerman um, has helped me a lot with finding guests. And she introduced me to the three of you. And one of the things that she said about the three of you was how involved you were with your own kids and that that you know she was super impressed by that you know as as a mother with her own children and so i'm wondering as fathers is is that different i mean your involvement with your with your kids is is it different than like what your fathers were able to do because it you know it's kind of the generations have definitely changed but do you see a difference in and how do you think about your own involvement with your kids I mean, I do for sure. My dad is an amazing guy and was an amazing father and was able to really be a big participant in our lives with a lot of stuff. And so for me, it was how do I continue to do that? How do I kind of continue to pass that on with my children, whether it's, you know, doing school pickups, a benefit. We work early. You know, a lot of distributors work early. So I'm out of here by 2 or 2.30 every day and I can pick up the kids from school and I can do the parent-teacher conferences and I can... Uh, take them to sports and coach sports teams. And it's been really beneficial. And I think that in a family business where you have some level of flexibility, when you say, hey, you know what, I need to work this in, I need to work that, and I need to figure out a way to make these happen with your schedule, um, it's greatly beneficial. And so for me, it's been how do I take that example that was given to us and how do I continue that with my kids and show them 
all those wonderful life lessons that was shown to me. It's amazing. It's like the best thing ever. Yeah. Just following the footsteps of greatness is what you got to do. Learn from the best and just be super dad. <laughs> Identifying the times when the kids are either at school or sleeping. I mean, there's a lot of time in the day when they're not one of those two places. So work when they're at school or sleeping, and then you can be with them when they're not doing that. You can be there for everything. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll speak for my family. You know, I have two half sisters, but they're full sisters. You know, I I've grown up with them my whole life. Um, my dad, when he was, you know, starting the company, um, was working way too many hours. Like a lot of people, even when he got off, they were cleaning office buildings uh, at night just to kind of pay the bills. So, you know, I got, like I said, two half sisters that are full sisters. And so I understand, you know, like a lot of people, what could go wrong if you don't keep your family, you know, first or one A, one B, if you want to put it that way. And I still say it, you know, there was two, three weeks ago where me and my uncle were having a conversation and he was asking me why I'm already standing up, getting ready to go out the door. It's four 30. And I said, I can't do this right now. And, and he said, well, why not? And I said, because I got to go to my daughter's swim class and I'm going. So we'll have this conversation tomorrow. We will be able to talk about whatever is important right now tomorrow. And, and, you know, I'm going to swim class. And so I say that is, you know, because I also remember though, growing up the stories that I heard, and we go back to this manual labor thing. It's not that they didn't want to be with us. It's almost because they couldn't be with us. You know, the difference is back then they had to because they couldn't pay the bills. It's almost like the business is another kid, Anthony. You know, it's like it was another child in the midst that they had to give yeah. that sort of attention to and and that sort of focus on, you know, for the, for the fulfillment of the family and to keep everyone going. Yeah. I mean, they, they had to work. They had to, you know, pay the bills. They had to do whatever it took. So, you know, again, like we keep talking, you know, next generations and stuff. My you know goal is to provide the same life that I was given up until this point. I appreciate the hell out of it. I mean, same thing. You know, I went to college and I had no debt getting out of college. That was I was fortunate enough that my parents paid for it. I still have friends that are paying student loans. My wife, you know, still has some student loans. So I'm very appreciative of everything that I've gotten from it. But how we find that balance to continue the success of the company, but also focus on the family is is definitely a priority of mine. Something I think also that's unique about Produce Alliance is so we joined Produce Alliance in 2014, and I wasn't really knowledgeable of what it was or what it stood for. What I knew at that time is that we were in a family business, and I didn't know anyone like me. I didn't know anyone who was in a family business like mine. And so there was a sense of isolation in that sense when all your buddies are off working in big corporate America and you're kind of doing something different. And so when we joined Produce Alliance, I remember the first meeting we went to in San Antonio and I realized, oh my gosh, there's a ton of people like me out there. Now they may not be in Phoenix in, in you know, in, in my neighborhood, but there's the Tom and the Anthony and all of these other people I've been able and fortunate to meet Melissa and her family who have a family business, who have the same challenges, the same dynamics. And it's incredible to find a community like that and to be able to identify those challenges and sort of uh, at times complain to each other and be like, oh man, now we got to get through this or get through that and, and pick each other's brains. And so it's amazing what how the idea of family can broaden depending on your specific situation. And I see Produce Alliance as an extension of that family in a way. Um, and it's been hugely beneficial to us, not only in developing 
professional relationships, but developing these personal relationships that I think have made me a better person and a better operator. Yeah. I mean, Produce Alliance, you know, it's basically like Billy said, that's our produce family. I mean, we've, we've been a part of it for so long. My dad, you know, was one of the, the original members when way back when, when, when Produce Alliance started. And so we've been in it since the very beginning. I've, you know, talked and, and been around a lot of Melissa and Tracy and David and Tyler and, you know, George and, and Gail and all, all the family members. And so it, it's, they're basically, you know, our, our family members that are in the produce world, like Billy said, you know, going to these conferences has been huge for me personally, because when we're at home, just like trying to explain what we do, when we're at home, even talking to friends, you know, they're laughing at us saying, no, yeah, sure. Oh, you sell tomatoes. Okay. You sell cantaloupes. Okay, sure. <laughs> and they see it. They see all these TV shows like Breaking Bad and they're like, oh, OK, what do you got on those trucks? What do, what do you got coming from Mexico with those avocados? <laughs> so to have those conversations at these conferences with people who actually understand what you're going through has been huge. Sure. Um, and it's allowed me personally to grow to where I am now in the industry, because without the networking and without you know the people at Produce Alliance putting on these events and hosting these conferences, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be where I'm at in the business today. I totally agree. And I think professional development is a big thing for us because when we internally talk about professional development, there's not a lot of avenues, at least traditional avenues, I should say, when you think about corporate America that are always available. So we use these, you know, the Produce Alliance family just as one example where they are my network of professional development, where I am bouncing ideas and I am getting more information and I am gleaning the best way to do things and learning how people do things differently and and taking that to our team and assessing, hey, are these strategies going to work for us? Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, But it's sort of an outside consultant, if you will, that that can kind of give that feedback. And I talk with my dad about it a lot and they didn't have that. I mean, they were able to pave their way through on sheer hard work, um, which is such a testament to them and, and a testament to what they've been able to do. And I think that to keep these businesses going and keep these intergenerational family businesses moving in the right direction, having those opportunities to connect with peer groups um, in those capacities are really vital. And I think Produce Alliance has done a wonderful job of fostering that. When you look at talent, so you look at inside the company and or inside the family and, and how you develop yourselves, but what kind of talent do you need that's different that you're bringing into the business and, and kind of how has that changed and are you finding the talent that you need? Well, that's the million dollar question right now, Bonnie. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I would say that there's different sort of, our businesses are, are vast in that we need anything from talent and warehouse and operations to right. sales, to purchasing. I can only speak for our marketplace, but I think the days of the old produce guys and who go from one produce house to the other and who bring a lot of that sort of tribal historical knowledge, those seem to be somewhat dwindling to me. So I think it's how do you take the younger generation and bring them in and onboard them uh, and teach them kind of the way we do business and see what they can bring to the table. We have a couple great young buyers who are brilliant and who are smart and who are forward thinking. Um, and it's trying to continue that and trying to see how that works. It's bringing in different salespeople. You know, Anthony is the sales guy, I know at his place. And something we always talk about when it comes to sales is, well, you know, is it a matter if someone can sell? Do they need to know produce? Do they need to know produce and how to sell? You know, what's the magic sauce there? 
And it's a lot of trial and error, to be frank. I mean, you're just going to win some, you're going to lose some. So it's about figuring out what the right combination is and knowing that you just have to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Tom, anything on, on talent, bringing new talent in? No, just echoing what Billy said. I mean, he said it right. If you find someone good, taking care of them so that they want to stick with you. But yeah, identifying and finding talent is difficult. If everyone knew how to do it, then life would be a lot easier. Yeah, yeah we're really struggling with that. I mean, the, the change in the culture and our hiring practices, that's the easy stuff. Trying to find the avenues of where we get the talent from in an industry that's not very well known to the talented young professionals, if you want to put it that way, you know, the college job fairs, you, you go there against the big companies and you try to sell your company and they're young and they don't understand it. So how we can try to grab from that talent pool just to at least have, I don't know, progressive minded people. I mean, yeah, they still got to work hard and they still got to earn their stripes, but just to have people that want to grow because Nowadays, you're getting people that are trying to switch jobs because they either want more money or they basically got fired from their old job. And, and it's, it's not an easy you know, balancing act to bring on somebody who's been in the industry with your current you know, hiring practices and, and your current compensation packages, I guess. So you know, we're actually next month doing our organizational meeting. The focus, we do those once a month. And the focus for this upcoming one is going to be basically a hierarchy chart for the entire company to see how each department flows and see where within the company there's you know positions that are needed and that way if there's a disgruntled employee or an employee that you know maybe is looking to go somewhere else because they don't like what they're doing they have a clear transparent like i said flow chart to see hey i like the company i like the industry but i don't like what i'm doing what's available inside of the company because you know, on the other side of things, we've heard it how many times where you got dishwashers that turn into these executive chef restaurateurs that, you know, you got to start somewhere. So we're really trying to kind of promote from within, but also struggling to find these channels of where we can get new talent to come in. Yeah, I mean, in, in the absence of a clear pipeline, it's challenging. Um, and I know IFPA has done a lot in developing leader programs, and we have talked to some of those people. And so it's, really sort of thinking outside of the traditional avenues of recruitment. Um, and it's not easy. You know, it's just not easy. And you have to accept the fact that some are not going to work and that's okay. It's, you know, you just have to keep trying until you find that sort of needle in the haystack sometimes. Yeah, I think we certainly at IFPA look at that a lot of like, how do we bring people, usually kids in high school, unless they're in the business, they don't, it's not their aspiration to be in the produce business. You yeah. Know? And uh, so we- They're missing out. Yeah, I keep telling them, like, guys are missing out. It's a great life. <laughs> We're wonderful. We're great to hang out with. We have a lot of fun. Yes, there's- They work hard. Tons of opportunity exactly. and you can make a great living. Listen, I go and espouse this to everyone. So it's, but it's not always easy. Yeah. I know Billy and Tom are the same way. If you get somebody that wants to come work with them, they're going to give them a good life, a, a good job. They're going to work work with them very well. We just need to get these people to come work with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Reference your uh, brand awareness truck thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not, mm -hmm. uh, we're not Google or Amazon. People aren't pounding at the door to apply. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this is a good place to end it. And uh, I really appreciate all your time and I appreciate the work that you do and how you supply the industry and your support. So thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Fresh Takes on Tech, a podcast from the International Fresh Produce Association. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.